This podcast is made possible by Sage People and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Declan Gearn, CFO of Rolls-Royce Marine, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 428. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to the CFO of Sage Intact. Turn back the clock and you'll find finance leader Mark Linden helping Intact navigate the troubled waters of the downturn to open a new chapter of growth. One where post-downturn customers get turned on to the friendly economics of SaaS solutions. We ask Mark to look back on Intact's impressive growth path and expose the path that lies ahead for both Sage Intact and performance-minded CFOs. We begin after these words from our sponsor. Hello, Jack here. I have a message for you from the folks at Sage People. Decisions about your people should be driven by data. But is your HR department still using spreadsheets to keep track of your people? It's time to move to cloud. Understand what makes your employees tick. Know your best performers or determine absence trends. All with a cloud HR and people system. Sage People empowers organizations to respond quickly and easily to changing priorities in today's shifting world of work. It means you can make sure your workforce is able to adapt while staying connected and engaged wherever they are. Discover how to get instant insights at your fingertips. Visit us today at sageintact.com forward slash sage dash people. the newly merged organization of Sage and financial management software developer Intact. In a recent blog post, Mark writes, CFOs think a certain way. We're direct. We're practical. We focus on the bottom line. That's our job. 
This mentality has made our companies and our careers successful. But advances in technology are shifting the way we do business. And CFO performance is being evaluated against new criteria. With that, hey, hey, Mark, welcome. Thank you. I, I suspect that word uh, performance is one we'll uh, be discussing today, and it's part of uh, many other discussions out there, of course. Yep. Uh, but before we sort of move into that, uh, we always like to begin with finding out a little bit about our guests, Mark, and uh, we ask them to look back and share with us what they believe were those key career experiences or milestones that help prepare them for a CFO role. What comes to mind when I ask you that? So uh, I come at this from a, a slightly different background. Um, I did not come up in the accounting profession, and so I probably have a somewhat different perspective. Um, but as I look back, there are, you know, a couple of things, um, you know, generally in my career, but specifically uh, in my role here at Sage Intact, and, and just for background, I've been here uh, over 10 years now. Um, but I think, you know, there's obviously the need for a strong financial and accounting background. You have to be able to do the technical side of the job. But beyond that, the, you know, I have a, a general business background as much as I have a, uh, a financial background. Um, actually, I've been a product GM as well, and I think that uh, broad generalist view um, is increasingly important. Uh, and in particular, in this role, one of the things, one of the criteria, because you know, after all, we do sell to CFOs, the ability to uh, to sell externally um, was a significant part. So the fact that I've had experience on the product side of the house uh, um, as a GM uh, helped a lot. So I think it, it's the you know it's the marrying of the two, the strong financial background and you know the the broader business experience that has really served me uh, the best over the years. Hey Mark, I, I just want to I just want to point out because uh, as you indicated, you didn't come up through the accounting ranks, so there's a little bit of mystery there. Uh, but uh, your your background is very interesting. It involves, of course, one firm that uh, is very storied, many interesting. Uh, uh, related business tales related to McKinsey and Company. I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind. I know uh, you went a familiar path from from a you know Harvard uh, Business School to McKinsey. Could you tell us a little bit about what your experiences were uh, inside, and you were inside the time, uh, technology practice, which is one of their more robust areas. Right. Anything you can share with us about what you took away from that experience? So the, uh, I think the, the key, and, you know, you learned this fairly early on, is taking that broad perspective. And, and what they say within uh, McKinsey is think like the CEO. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, be the CEO or that you're trying to challenge and step into the CEO's shoes. What it's really saying is, is you know, synthesize and think beyond just the immediate impact of what you're trying to do or what you're trying to figure out and really think, deeply about the broad perspective. What are all the other things that you need to, to consider to make something successful or that you need to take into account when you're trying to make a hard decision? And, you know, I, you know if I kind of look back, it's that, you know, setting that mindset. And, you know, obviously, you know, I was there for a number of years, so we, we saw it in practice uh, uh, quite a bit. But being 
you know, forcing your take, yourself to take that broader perspective um, and think beyond the immediate, you know, question you're being asked in your role. One, I think it, it leads you to a better decision, um, forces you to seek out inputs you wouldn't otherwise get, and honestly, it kind of gives you empathy, right? It, you can put yourself in the shoes of others, which, you know, in a CFO role um, is often the trick, you know, between having an idea and actually getting it uh, implemented successfully. Now, along the way, you went down the finance path. Coming out of McKinsey and Company's technology practice, I would imagine there were a number of paths you could have taken. But you assessed yourself or you assessed opportunities that were put in front of you, and you became a finance leader. What did, helped you yep. determine that? And I, I opened up with the, uh, the blog post because I thought it was interesting. You were practical. It's almost like you know yourself. And um, I'm wondering if back in time it was that evident to you which path you were going to take. It, it wholly was not. And I would say there was probably nothing practical about the, the, the decision. And, and if I had to, uh, to pick a word, I'd say serendipity. Um, so I, when I left McKinsey, I went into corporate development and business development. Um, and strategy, which is a very typical uh, path uh, when you leave the firm. Uh, one of the things that I did at McKinsey, which was, which was unusual at the time, was we did a lot of M&A advisory work, and I continued that into my, um, you know, my financial path and, and did a lot of deals uh, after leaving the firm. Uh, but I was not on, you know, Explicitly, a CFO track. Uh, the you know it had been in the back of my mind as something potential, but you know this was quite a few years ago, and the thought of having someone that wasn't you know that hadn't come up through Big Four, or, you know you know strong uh, you know, pure accounting background, you know was pretty much an anomaly. Um, so it was kind of dangling out there. The way I actually became a CFO the first time was, you know, an opportunity that had been, it was handed to me because I had been with a firm uh, where we went through CFO uh, turnover, and we were a public company, and we had to figure out what to do, and I was presented an opportunity. So I think it was, um, to be honest, it was a bit scary. It was a non-obvious decision. I think you have to trust yourself and be willing to, you know, to take that risk when you see an opportunity that's put in front of you. Um, that, you know, you know, it may not be obvious you're going to be successful at. So you've got to be willing to take that risk. Um, that was a long time ago, so this is now my uh, fourth time around as a software CFO. So, you know, I guess that at this point I've picked my path. What would you tell us about uh, the first time entering that, that door into the CFO office for the first time when you obviously had made a choice? Um, Anything you can recall about uh, what advice you might give to people who are walking through that door for the first time? Uh, don't do it in a public company context. It's an incredible difficult difficult way to get started. Uh, to, to add the, uh, the anxiety of, of taking on that role for the first time and then having to go into earnings calls, um, not for the faint of heart. Uh, everybody, you know, once you become a public company, everybody's got to do it once. Um, but uh, doing both of those things at the same time is uh, is a bit challenging. So I think you know best advice is you just you know you've got to trust yourself and trust your skill base. Um, 
and uh, and kind of rely on that uh, in uh, uh, you know what can be pretty trying circumstances. I want to I want to come back to you about uh, during the mentoring round and just ask you some more of these career related Absolutely. questions. But I think we, we set up the stage here nicely for your, your, your time at Intact and, of course, uh, the merger, which is uh, in recent memory. So, so you arrive at Intact, where you've now been 10 years. That's quite a span of time. And uh, just, just as you try to think of some of the milestones you were part of achieving uh, as a finance leader there, what would, I'm sure that's not an easy question. Uh, but which come to mind? Yeah, I think there are, there are a couple of key ones. Um, first is just starting with the context when I came in. We were, you know, the company got through very difficult uh, times in 2005 and 2006, um, had gone through recapitalization, had a new set of investors, new CEO at the time, um, and was, you know, in the process of rebuilding the whole management team. So I was the last hire in that effort to rebuild the management team. So, you know, the... In, you know, we were much, much, much smaller, um, you know, below $10 million in revenue, well below at that time. Uh, so it was not obvious, uh, you, know, just, you know, strategically or operationally what, you know, the path to success was going to look like. So I think stage one was, you know, getting the, the you know, a team in place and all agreeing on a growth path forward. Um the second was surviving the, you know, uh, the recession that we all went through um, in, you know, 2008, 2009. Uh, it hit us a little later uh, because we sell to small businesses and they were the last to be affected. Uh, but, you know, we had, you know, kind of gone through this rebuilding. We're starting to launch on a growth trajectory and then the economy decided not to uh, cooperate. And um, it would have been, you know, very easy for everybody to kind of throw in the towel at that point. So that was milestone two. And then, you know, since we, you know, kind of 2010, 2011, when we just strongly came out of that, uh, it really has been, you know, the same challenge, which is how do we continue to, to expand and accelerate growth? And we have been on, you know, an exceptional uh, growth path. Uh, you know, uh, continuously year after year where the question has always been, you know, how do we grow faster? Uh, and uh, that's really been the trajectory of the company, you know, up until today through, through the merger that has not changed that. If anything, it's accelerated it. And meanwhile, on the offering side of the house, uh, intact cloud uh, technology offerings, of course, uh, the portfolio begins to fill out as you come out of this downturn. You're, you're sort of ready. You're, 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 you know, the cloud offerings are prepared. You're prepared, perhaps. I mean, am I am I uh, overstating that? <laughs> and, uh, and again, you've emphasized some of the challenges. No, no, I, I think you're exactly right, Jack. And, and part of it, you know, you 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 know, good product helps. Good product at the time that the market's ready for it helps even more. And you know, we had the right product at the time that, you know, people were moving to cloud solutions and, you know, CFOs are not, you know, the first to make those decisions. So financial applications, I think, were, you know, certainly later than CRM and many other application areas to move. 
but, you know, we were ready, and we have, you know, part of this has been a tremendous expansion in the capabilities of the product uh, as, you know, we've grown and the market has grown in acceptance. Uh, and, you know, that continues. And most recently, uh, in fact, just the uh, week before last, uh, we introduced a whole new category where we've introduced Sage Intact Budgeting and Planning, um, which is a, uh, a natively integrated budgeting and planning solution, uh, you know, very similar to the way that, that you know, we position Marketplace to get you going with an industrial-grade capability sooner in the development of your company. And we've now done that for budgeting and planning. So it's been, you know, as you point out, it's been a continuous expansion of the capability of the product as we've grown the company. Uh, and we see no end in sight. Um, you know, financial management accounting is, is a big application area. And that's, you know, the, uh, part of the, the, uh, the strategic play that we have every day is, you know, bringing more and more value and more functionality to our customers. Just to, just to get a better sense of how your day-to-day might have changed um, in, in sort of a growth firm, how a finance leader uh, role changes. I'm wondering, you know, there were certain metrics back in 2010 that you looked at regularly versus 2015 or, or even last year, uh, 2017. It, you know, can, can you give us a sense, what were you paying attention in 2010 and what were you paying attention to? And, and of course, you're paying attention to all your metrics. But was there a, you know, a particular one that was uh, speaks to where this company was in 2010 versus where it was in 2016? Uh, there, yes, and then there's some consistency as well. Um, so let me kind of answer that in two parts. I think what's changed is, you know, you know early on you're looking at, in, you know, individual deals um, and, uh, you know, as a CFO, much more directly involved in, you know, specific things, whether it's new customer acquisition or specific go-to-market decision or whatever, whatever it is. Um, that has changed over time to thinking more about managing in the aggregate. So, you know, rarely do I have the luxury of uh, talking to a prospect anymore. It still happens. I would love it to happen more. But it's much more about, you know, how you, you know, leverage other people to accomplish the goals and, and, you know, manage through others rather than doing it directly yourself. And, you know, that's a natural progression. In, in terms of measures, we've been actually – remarkably consistent in what we look at, um, and you know, we were an early champion largely because Bessemer was an early investor in really embracing what they were preaching as the right way to manage a, a software-as-a-service company um, in measuring by the change in your booking, basically change in, in, uh, in contract and monthly recurring revenue, which is a forward-looking measure. And I put that into place very soon after I got here, and, and that continues to be the single most important that we measure, the measure that we look at um, in a business. And obviously, that's specific to a SaaS company, but I think many people, you know, I talk to hundreds of prospects and customers, and it's one of the things that I've seen is the um, – Things change for sure, but finding that those one or two key measures that are consistent 
year over year, they're really at the heart of the objective that you're trying to accomplish is a key lever for, for managing the business. And, you know, we doubled down and have really focused on one, you know, measure above all else. For finance leaders, you're, you're in sort of this unique world uh, of SaaS uh, uh, finance executives uh, because over time, as you move to the subscription model, you've begun to identify all these new metrics that help you uh, identify uh, where where growth might occur, where attrition might be happening. CFOs from other industries don't enjoy all the visibility that uh, SaaS CFOs have today to the customer experience. Um, is there something you would share with those CFOs in terms of what you're discovering when it comes uh, to driving growth? Um, it, yeah, and I think it's more extensible than that. Actually, I think you know what you don't have in other industries is the level of change that we've gone through. Right in the, in the decade that I've been here, you know, basically, you know, the industry has invented a whole new set of ways of looking at business and had to convince the investor community. So I agree that that's unusual. But the um, thinking really deeply about what the drivers of your business are, and, you know, obviously there's hundreds of things that, that matter, right? We, you know, very early on, we were obviously focused on cash, you know, much less so today at the scale that we are. Um, but you can always, you know, if, if you really understand the dynamics of your business, you can always reduce it to a couple of things that have to go right, and they're going to be comprehensive enough measures that are really going to give you a good indication of the health of the business and whether you're achieving your objective. And uh, I think that's extensible advice. And, and the, you know, one thing that I tell to, to prospects a lot is the thing that we don't do enough as CFOs is really step back and give ourselves personal time to think. Um, it's easy to think about when you're going through a new, you know, accounting system or ERP implementation because you have to really think broadly. But one of the things I suggest people do is, look, just take a clean, you know, blank sheet of paper and ask yourself, how do you want to measure the business, right? It, forget whether the systems can do it or not. You know, that's the secondary thing. What's at the core of what you want to see? And, and having that time to really think it through and you probably have to model some of this stuff out. Um, I think it, it's really picking the essence of the measurements that are more important than everything else, and focusing on that is what you can do to really drive the business. And it helps clarify it for everyone else in the organization. It's, you know, going back to, you know, my McKinsey experience, one of the things you taught at McKinsey is, like, you know, the human brain really can't, remember more than three things. You know, on a good day, maybe you'll do four. Uh, but distilling it down to those most important, you know, I like to say one, three's, you know, acceptable. Very small set of key measures. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned. And we, we're lucky enough that we're in an industry that has been focused on driving recurring revenue growth, so we were able to distill it to one key measure. But I think that's extensible. And I even see it, you know, you know, talking to not-for-profit CFOs. Um, and, you know, when you really push your thinking, uh, you can come up with some very insightful ways to, to measure the business that others probably have not thought about.
Now, your word, CFO performance, is being evaluated against new criteria. What, what are you getting at here? I think the role is changing. And, you know, the way I think about it is there are, you know, really only a couple roles in an organization that see the whole business. Uh, it's obviously the CEO. Uh, typically, it's the CFO. Maybe it's the chief revenue officer if you have one that has a broad enough role. Uh, but I think the, you know, to be a CFO today, you have to think much more broadly than just the finance and certainly than the accounting role. You have to take that broad perspective in the business um, and, you know, be a good partner to your CEO in driving the business forward and growth and, and helping manage through difficult situations. Uh, and I, I think that is, you know, yes, getting the accounting right is still an important measure, but that's almost the ante at the table. That gives you the right to do the rest of the job, which is often more important for moving the company forward. And that's, you know, you know obviously understanding the financial metrics and drivers of the business. Um, but it's also, you know, helping with strategy, um, of, you know, figuring out what the best, best growth strategies are and thinking through operational uh, implementation and success across the whole organization, helping your peers to get there. Um, sometimes it's just clearing the revenue on our organization. Sometimes it's, you know, kind of diving in and helping, you know, figure out hard, you know, hard problems and, and the financial implications of them. But I think that, you know, the criteria have expanded. It's not just running a good accounting and finance shop anymore. Now, I want to find out, well, a couple of things. Uh, and, again, you keep on putting emphasis on performance, and I'm wondering – uh, your advice to finance leaders in that regard, because as Intact grew over this last five years, I have to believe uh, that was a big part of your mission uh, to improve performance, and you have a few clues as to how to, uh, how to do that in a technology-rich environment. You can't separate the two, I would imagine. But when I, when I say uh, performance-driven or data-driven, what do those words mean to you? Uh, I, I think... The thing that people don't do enough of is taking a long-term view of the business. And that's not just looking forward, but it's also just how you measure the business. I'm a huge believer in um, looking at time series over time. Uh, obviously, we're kind of in a, in a rate-based business, so similar to Telco, so it helps. It's almost indispensable in our business. But understanding how things have changed over time, again, key metrics, um, is super important and obviously, and, uh, you know, I think helps drive you to those deep insights of what's actually driving the business. Uh, I think the other one is a continuous investment in, um, in systems and processes to get inside of the business. And it's not just for the finance team, it's for everyone. So one of the things that we've done over the last few years is we've centralized and built uh, a data analytics team just to provide information for everybody else's use. So while they're in my organization, their primary objective is serve everybody else. Um, and it's, you know, organizing, maintaining truth of that data uh, as the business grows is hugely important. I think 
you know, if you're really going to have a data-driven, you know, performance-driven organization, is absolutely part of the CFO role, is you have to take responsibility for making sure that the organization has the information they need um, with quality. And uh, that, that has uh, served us really well uh, to have that continuous investment in systems, it's people, um, and it you know, changes every single day. That, uh, that team, I think, is where uh, many finance leaders are aspirational, perhaps, to create what you have in place. And to, in my mind there, as I speak to different finance leaders, there's an organizational challenge sometimes in creating that team. And, of course, uh, there's a talent challenge. We have to get people. They might not necessarily come up through the traditional um, accounting ranks. Uh, they might come from diff have different backgrounds, the people who are part of that team. And I'm not speaking to your team specifically, uh, but I'm curious as to your thoughts, whether you agree with me. And by organizational, I mean these people have to be able to work with other parts of the organization. And I've heard the word embedded at times where they might have a direct line back to their finance um, manager or someone on your team who manages them. Uh, or uh, they might um, they might have a dotted line to the head of another business function. I, I, in every company, it's a little different. But again, can you reflect on these two challenges, the organizational and the, the talent? And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you're going to tell me there's another one. But, but um, talk about that. <laughs> there's always other ones. Uh, absolutely. So let me let me take the the, the talent uh, piece first. Um, Look, you know, CFOs are control freaks, right? That's, you know, almost in the title of our jobs. Uh, it is very strange, and, and, you know, we have a solid foundation to technical aspects of our job. It is an unusual experience to hire someone where you may not really understand the guts of what they're doing. And that's absolutely true for these, you know, for people that have a data analytics background. Um, you know, some CFOs will understand that deeply. Others, like me, you know, have probably never been exposed to the tool set uh, that is relevant in that world. And so, you know, you have to trust, you know, that you can hire people smarter than you. Um, and you have to trust your ability to, to, you know, hire strong employees and then give them the rope uh, to go do their jobs. Uh, and you're absolutely right. We did not hire people out of traditional uh, finance and accounting roles for that group. Uh, in fact, the person that in our circumstances that heads it came out of a sales analytics role, uh, completely different uh, background. Um, in terms of the the managing, you know, the actual work of what they do across the organization, uh, I worry, you know, obviously it's important what the priorities are and where they spend their day-to-day, -day, but long ago I recognized I was not the primary customer for what they do. And creating, you know, you know we had to basically figure out a process that we could set priorities you know, across the rest of the organization. Um, but unlike some of the other folks that are on my staff, I'm never the number one priority, right? They're always serving someone else. And they, you know, you have to be willing to let go 
and you know create the right process so you're, you know things are getting done. Uh, but they are there purely to provide information to others. What what we do control in you know within the group is the quality of data, the source of data, um, and then obviously the access rights that people have. Those are you know obviously important things just for the integrity of the information people are using to make the decisions. But we'll never say no, no, no. That's not a question to answer, or why you know don't look at the business that way. If a business leader feels like they need a different view, that team's job to go figure out how to make that view if it's possible. The clock is running here, so I feel like I, I have to ask you a few necessary questions, and we still need to uh, hear about uh, the merger. Uh, but first, I'm going to ask you for a finance strategic moment, and this could be anywhere during the course of your career. It doesn't have to have been at Intact. In fact, it might go back earlier. Uh, but this is a moment of, uh, of insight that you experienced as a finance leader uh, that led you to either uh, maybe change the direction of, of the organization, identify a risk, whatever it might have been due to your, your unique lines of sight as a finance leader, you were able to see something perhaps others weren't. Does anything come to mind? Yeah, absolutely, and, and I'll tie a couple of themes here together, you know, kind of going back to taking that broader general view of the business. Um, when we were, you know, coming out of the, you know, 2009-2010 uh, recession, um, you know, we obviously were struggling with how we're going to grow. And just from doing the unit economic analysis of the business, you know, we, we sell to small, medium-sized businesses. And, you know, the classic levers that you use in a technology business, um, you know, either at the consumer, you know, B2C end or an enterprise model don't really work in SMB. And so as we're thinking about growing, um, we're really struggling to figure out, you know, what we needed to do and what the levers were going to be. And just hiring more salespeople isn't the answer to the economics you know, you know, especially when you're selling uh, to a reason, you know, considered a purchaser like a CFO, don't work with the size of, of deals you're doing below, you know, a pure enterprise sale. So one of the things that we, you know, we, me, uh, realized early on was, you know, the cadence of the business was really top of the funnel driven. In other words, marketing generated opportunities we're probably going to be our most likely profitable path to growth. But our marketing team was really, you know, struggling with how to think about growth and partly because, you know, it was a capital-constrained environment um, and they were thinking, thinking, you know, very incrementally. And I finally figured out the way to break that, uh, that uh, uh, problem down for them and basically say, look, guys, what if I gave you an extra million dollars, which in those days for us was a significant increase in marketing expenditure? What would you do with it? And what could you do? And just, you know, it's not like we hadn't asked them how to grow, but simply rephrasing that and changing the order of magnitude that they were thinking at completely turned around the conversation. And all of a sudden we started getting kind of a, you know, a good set of opportunities coming up and, you know, they started thinking at the right level 
uh, and the right scale to really start driving the business. And, you know, I mean, I almost to this day I remember that conversation because they looked at me and it's like, wait a minute, when did the CFO ever said to spend another million bucks? Um, but it, it was hugely important at the time to get us on the right path. Thought Leader listeners, don't go anywhere. We're about to enter the mentoring round with CFO Mark Linden. After 10 years at Intact, I ask Mark the big question. I ask him, what's next? The answer may surprise you. We're back right after this short message from our sponsor. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. We're going we're gonna to finally get to our mentoring round, where I get to ask you several quick questions intended to inspire and mentor uh, finance leaders. And you can always segue back to uh, any, anything you'd like to share here. I didn't mean to move things along so quickly. But what's one thing, Mark, that's exciting you about finance and business today? What's exciting you? Uh, you know, uh, partly it's kind of staying in this role, but I think, you know, both as a CFO, but also selling to CFOs, the uh, availability of technology uh, and the pace of change is, you know, I think unlike I've seen it in my career, uh, in, it's, you know, been a pretty long career at this point, the, especially for smaller businesses, the accessibility of what was only available in a large enterprise uh, is increasing every single day. So, you know, in, you know, growth businesses, you basically have the same feature set and sometimes better feature sets uh, than, you know, the top enterprises, you know, used to have. And that opens up a whole bunch of opportunities. So uh, you have a lot more leverage in the business and, um, you know, a lot of ways to grow that aren't just people intensive. And I think that is, you know, certainly in, in kind of a growth organization, um, one of the things that, uh, you know, I feel kind of most different today than in the past. And it's fun because they're, they're new things and you can do a lot more with a lot less. And I think that pace of change is, is, uh, is increasing. You know, everybody talks about AI as, you know, as a buzzword. Um, I don't think we know exactly what, you know, AI and machine learning going to do for us, uh, but, you know, it's another example of how things are going to completely change, um, and you look at, you know, the, you know, automation capabilities of the business 10 years from now, um, you can have fully automated sub-ledgers, you can have fully automated GLs that don't have any human intervention, 
um, you know, especially when you bring in, uh, you know, uh, blockchain, which is, you know, essentially just the ledger uh, technology. And, you know, obviously it's definitely exciting because that's our business, but I think from a CFO who same time because the the fundamental nature of what this role does is going to change in the next decade. Um, and, you know, that pace of technological change, I think, is driving a lot of, of what we have to think about uh, in our roles, uh, you know, today and certainly more come going forward. And when we we're talking about uh, business today, I, I, I have to segue back to you. Deals done. Mergers happen. You know, congratulations. Um, a lot of uh, CFOs and growth firms, it's it's time to go back to another and, and do it again to grow it from a startup. What's right. what's your plan? And I think you've already given us a few indications of it, but let me just ask it forthright, if you don't mind. And, and is your unfinished business here? What's what's What are you up to? So the nice thing about the application area that we're in, and any CFO will tell you, there's always unfinished business, right? None of us have this, uh, every feature that we ever want from our accounting and financial management system. So the good news about this role is the job's never done. Um, more broadly, personally, uh, you know, I and you know, look, I you know, I know the adage, and I've lived by it my in my past is you know, CFOs last in, first out. Um, that is. You know, certainly not my hope and my intent. I'm here for the long haul, uh, and um, it, it is, you know, it's a hugely exciting opportunity um, for, you know, for impact in the SAGE environment um, to, you know, continue what we were doing in, in you know, changing the industry uh, and pushing forward, and we just have a, a much broader stage uh, as we look forward, you know, Sage globally operates in 23 countries that we're not in, um, and you know that you know that's a huge opportunity for us looking forward. So uh, I, you know, I'm you know here for the long haul. Uh, I think on a personal basis, um, kind of my personal litmus test is you know I wake up Monday morning and I just want to get into the office and start working, and you know. I think if that's not the case for someone, you know, then it's time to think about, you know, what's going right and what's not. Um, I'll tell you, after a, more than a decade, it's a luxury to be able to say that, you know, every Monday morning I just want to get in the office and start doing it again. Um, and it just now, makes it fun. You, uh, you've emphasized, you said several times, empowering CFOs. And it, it's interesting uh, for uh, CFOs in your position um, how they see, they can see both worlds, really. They can see the technology that's being developed to help empower the CFO. Uh, they can look into the future probably a little further uh, from a technology perspective. At the same time, you're probably painfully aware of some of the obstacles which uh, stand in the way of, of when it comes to empowering CFOs. And often it's cultural. And I just want to touch on that with you for just a second. Um, because and, and it, it, it has something to do with data culture as well. I don't know if this is uh, something I imagine you, you thought uh, something about, actually, but certain cultures are, are more data-driven than others. For those cultures that are not, what has to change often? I, I think, 
you know, and, and you know, we deal with a lot of industries. Um, the you have to demonstrate that the data-driven culture um, and kind of that that adherence to to truth, if you will, um, makes a difference in the business, and that's incumbent on the CFO. Um, and it can be a challenge, right? There, you know, are you know a lot of people with really good innate business judgment that tend to make pretty accurate decisions with, you know, just kind of intuitively knowing the cadence of the business. Um, but, you know, I think to reproduce that predictably over a long haul, it has to be data-driven. And it, if you're not in that environment, it always, you know, it helps, obviously, if you you are and you have a CEO that believes in that. Um, if you're not, it's incumbent on you to demonstrate, you know, where facts actually differ from opinion and how that can help drive a better decision in the company. Um, and, you know, th that's our job, right? That's the essence of what, what we do. Okay. I'm going to jump back to our, our mentoring round questions, and I'm going to ask you, is there a personal habit? And this has to do really, I guess, again, with you, yourself, your personal routine every day. Do you have a personal habit that you believe has contributed to your professional success in some way, what would that be? Start early, just like this call. Um, the uh, it makes a huge difference to get in the office an hour before everybody else and just have that personal think time. Uh, you get ahead of the day, you clarify what you want to get done. You can stay organized. You know, it, CFO role can be an incredibly reactive role, and you know to just to have some quiet time every day, to me, makes a huge difference in, you know, making sure I know what I want to get done for the day or the week and, and you know, organizing uh, to do that. And so I, I'd say, you know, kind of the, you know, as painful as it can be some mornings, uh, I think one of the things that, that, you know, has served me the best is just being willing to have an early start. Um, it works wonders. Is there a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders? So I, I'm, you know, I read business books. I'm not a huge fan of business books. I would say the the best advice I have is find something that relaxes you, whatever it is. You know, if that's reading a relevant business book, great. If not, you know, so much the better. Uh, it's a pretty stressful job. You know, I, I kind of think of, you know, the, you know, the CFO is the one that always gets all the hard stuff that no one else wanted to deal with. Being able to escape from that and just relaxing and take your mind away um, it can be an incredibly powerful uh, productivity improvement tool. So I tend to read stuff, you know, that I care about in my personal life uh, that is not directly relevant to business, uh, but, you know, it allows me to escape and relax. Okay, we're here. Our final question. Looking forward, over the next 12 months, what are your priorities as a finance leader? So it is very simply, you know, continuing to accelerate our growth in the broader context of the SAGE environment with all the new opportunities that we have ahead of us. And doing that in the right prioritization is going to be the key to our success. Mark Linden, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Okay, thank you.
Thought Leader listeners, whether you've already ascended into the ranks of finance leaders or have only just begun the journey, your professional narrative needs a reboot. Join our email list at cfothoughtleader.com and receive my latest email series, Finance and the Power of Narrative. It's time to mobilize the past to achieve your goals. Thank you for listening.